Hi, thanks for joining us for this message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. We pray that you're blessed by it. If you'd like to know more about Red Church or its ministries, or if you'd like to support us financially, you can find out more by heading to connect.redchurch.org.au. Well, welcome. Here we are. It's Pentecost Sunday. It's, uh, it's great to be with you. Um, so today is this moment in the Christian calendar where we remember that moment of Pentecost. We remember today this moment that happened a couple of thousand years ago. Pentecost, this moment that the Spirit came into the world, came to dwell in the hearts of believers. This counsellor, this advocate, this Spirit of God, this presence of God that came to reside in you and me. If, you, if you've been around the Bible a bit, you'll have probably read this, this um, text from Acts 2 where Jesus' followers are, are, are in the upper room and there's this sound of this violent wind and these tongues of fire separate and come to rest on each of them. It's a fantastic um, bit of literature. And then Peter stands up and he says this, he addresses a great crowd and he says, he, he raises his voice and he says to them, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in these days and they will prophesy. It's this awesome bit of text. It's awesome bit of literature. It's a, it's a phenomenal story. It's steeped in meaning. It has significance. But I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read it, I can feel a bit disconnected to this story. I can feel a bit... Um, detached from this story. It's not always the experience of my life, what's going on in this text. At times I reckon I've even read it and I felt a bit dejected. I felt more dejected than inspired. And if I'm honest right now, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I reckon my household has been more more full of the flu than it has the Holy Spirit for the last few weeks. We're in a season of fatigue we're in a cold season here in Melbourne. Um, and I reckon I've just at times been a bit more distracted with what's going on in life, trying to get the kids back to school, trying to keep your health, yourself healthy for work. And the problem is if we compare our lives to this historical snapshot, this, this moment in time that the, the, of Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit come, sometimes we can hold our lives and critique ourselves versus this moment. And we can, we can have a critique of our lives and almost a despondency rather than a connection to the meaning. So what we're going to do today, instead of trying to just look at what happened, we're going to look at why did this happen? Why did God have this moment happen? What is happening in Scripture here and what can we learn from it? So we're going to do that by reading some prophetic Scripture together some from the, the book of Ezekiel. We're going to read... Ezekiel's about Ezekiel's vision as he talks about a, a, a prophetic promise for this coming moment. I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of the Holy Spirit. For some of you, maybe you've never experienced the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've um, maybe you're in church for the first time, or maybe you've started coming to church but you've never had a moment that you can say, "Oh yeah, I've, I've felt a move of the Holy Spirit or the presence of the Holy Spirit." That may well be you today. For some of you, you maybe think back to a moment. Maybe it was in a younger season when you were on a youth camp or um, serving in the mission field somewhere or a church in worship. 
Maybe it was a moment in the past that you think of when I say Holy Spirit. So that's an example of the Holy Spirit at work, but it's not the full picture. It's not the full picture of what God's calling us into, what God's inviting us into. And if we, again, hold up those moments from our past and compare our lives now, critique our lives now versus those moments, we can fall into that, that, that spirit of comparison that quashes rather than a connection to the meaning in this moment. It's funny, uh, planning a service for Pentecost Sunday, you're like, oh, what should we do with the lighting? Should we, we, could put, we could light candles. I could speak in my super spiritual voice. Yes, the Holy Spirit could give you that voice. We could put strobe lights on or we, we could create a fanfare. But I really believe the church doesn't need a fanfare. We as followers don't need to be whipped up into a frenzy. We don't need a fanfare. We need a genuine connection in here with what God wants to do. Because when we carry that, when we carry that genuine connection to the meaning of this moment, that's when we can walk out into the mundane of our Mondays and we carry God's presence to the world around us. So we're going to look into this through Ezekiel's vision today. So we're going to grab our Bibles. We're going to go to Ezekiel 37. Before I do that, the first thing I want to say is when you read in Scripture and you learn about a moment and it aligns with a date, it aligns with a festival, there's a big thing to take note of. So Pentecost, this moment of Pentecost where the Spirit came into the world actually happened about 50 days after Passover on the festival of Shavuot. This is the festival of the first fruits of the gathering of the wheat. This is a festival where we set, where the Jewish people would celebrate God and, and gather wheat, the first fruits. And the, the fact that this moment in history happens, aligning with that date, is something we need to take note of. This moment is about a harvest. This moment in time that we're about to learn about is a moment that God wants to show us this is about him bringing a harvest in. So grab your Bibles. We're going to open them to Ezekiel 37. Actually, I'm going to pray before we do this. Father, we thank you that we sit in this moment post-Pentecost. Your spirit has come into the world. Your spirit wants to reside with us. So we invite you, come Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning. As I preach, I ask that words that are from you plant seeds and nourish people's hearts, nourish people's faith. We want to know you, Lord. We want to connect with you in our lives. We just invite you to have this time this morning. Show us the meaning behind this, this moment of Pentecost. In Jesus' name. Amen. So grab your Bibles, Ezekiel 37. The words are going to be on the screen for you as well. This is so, so God has given Ezekiel a vision. He gives him a series of visions. And this is, this is Ezekiel recounting this vision that he's been led through. The hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and he set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, 
and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, the tendons and flesh appeared on them and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered entered them and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. This is a pretty pretty crazy vision, a pretty crazy scene, a pretty crazy narrative. This is um, five or six generations before the moment of Pentecost where the Spirit comes into the world. And this is Ezekiel giving a message of hope to the people that this moment is coming. This is foreshadowing the moment that is to come. And it's illuminating for us, I believe, the purpose of this moment. It's illuminating for us the purpose of this moment that, that is to come, Pentecost. How do we know the two are connected? If you're a first century Jew, you would know that these two moments are connected. And there's some key details that would help you realize that these moments are connected. So the word for wind, the word for breath, the word for spirit is the same word, ruach. Ruach, the wind of God the breath of God, the presence of God, the spirit of God. It's the ruach that hovers over the waters in Genesis. It's the ruach that fills Adam's lungs and animates him to life. It's the ruach, the wind in the upper room, the violent wind that the disciples hear at Pentecost. And it's the ruach, the breath of God, that Ezekiel is invited to prophesy to. You think of the moment for a minute. So Ezekiel stood in a valley. It's a strange scene, right? He stood all on his own in a valley with nothing but dry bones. No fanfare. No strobe lights. No smoke machines. Just an instruction from God. An invite from God. And he has an act of obedience to that. And then through that act of obedience, through the receiving that instruction from God and acting in obedience, we see a profound thing. We see an activation of life. So here's the thing. The ruach, the wind, the breath, the spirit in itself isn't what, what, what we should be concentrating on. It's, it's a force. It's a power. It's an encounter. It's actually a result 
of the of the ruach that that we're being more drawn to here through this scripture. That's what the Hebrew text is trying to to communicate to us. It's not focus on the essence. It's focus on the impact. And this is the first take, major takeaway that I want us to learn from this text together this morning, that the Ruach comes to bring life where there is death. The Ruach, the Spirit of God, comes to bring life where there is death. What's the next thing we can uh, discover from this passage? God says, Son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel says, only you, Lord, can know. Then he said to me, prophesy to the bones. Speak. Prophesy to the bones. So I prophesied as I was commanded. That's the second major takeaway that I think we've got to glean from this passage today. Ezekiel has a choice in here. He stood in a valley of dry bones, crazy scene, he's heard something, and he has a choice to make. Is he going to respond or is he going to step back? He has a choice to make. And that's the second major takeaway for us. When the Ruach comes, comes to invite us into action. So I prophesied as I was commanded. You think about it, um, Peter at that moment, the rushing violent wind, the spirit comes on all the followers and he steps up and he, he does something. He takes action in front of the gathered crowd. He steps forward in obedience. And what does he do? He declares. He speaks. He uses his mind. He communicates with his mouth in step with the Holy Spirit. And I think this is the third major thing that we see through this text, the power of words. A professor of mine, uh, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, he's he's a pastor, he's a fantastic bloke, he's a Bible nerd, he's a teacher, he's a theologian, he's a scholar. Um, And he says, when he's talking about this, he says that this is the biggest pattern that we see in scripture, the word act pattern, the word act pattern, a declaration of God followed by a fulfillment of that declaration. We see this all the way through scripture. God says, and it was so. God speaks, and it was so. We see it right at the start in the creation account of Genesis. God says, And it was so. But there's something that's slightly changed here as we move from Old Testament way to this current age, post-Pentecost. God speaks, and it was so, but there's a moment in the middle where Ezekiel hears, Ezekiel partners, and Ezekiel steps in, and it, it was so. This is a moment where Ezekiel becomes a conduit. He becomes a a provider, a mediator, a deliverer, a giver of God's life into a place where there is death. Ezekiel steps in. 
And I think this is the third main point that we can glean from this passage. Ruach is gifted to us so we may gift Ruach to the world. Ruach is gifted to us so that we can go out to the world. These are three great truths. But I don't know about you, but I look at my life and I'm like, I'm not always living that out. I don't see dry bones coming to life around me all the time. So how do we respond to this? How do we respond to this as as God's followers that earnestly want to step in with him and partner with his Holy Spirit? Well, I think there's, there's more in the book of Ezekiel that we can learn from. See, just after this moment of um, the valley of the dry bones in the text, Ezekiel goes into this elaborate vision of, of seeing the temple. And the first thing we've got to learn is this, that Ezekiel is actually promising this message of hope to a time where the Israelites are in exile. Jerusalem has been conquered. Jerusalem has fallen. They're in exile. And actually, he starts preaching in that moment this message of hope, this temple that is to come. This is going to be a temple that's better than the Israelites have ever seen. And after this elaborate vision of the temple, he finds himself stood at the temple's front door, the entry to the temple. And he sees water trickling under the threshold. Water coming out of the temple, trickling under the threshold, and it's heading east. This water is coming from the temple and heading east. If you know um, the temple orientation, you would know that heading east is actually towards the Dead Sea. Heading east is towards the Dead Sea. So there's water coming from the temple and it's heading towards a place of death, the Dead Sea. I don't know if you know why the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea. It's because it's pretty dead. There's not much life there. 30% salt, uninhabitable for aquatic life. It's, It's a pretty deathly place. It's not a place marked by abundance. It's a place that's barren and and dead. Hence why it's called the Dead Sea. But Ezekiel has this vision that water's coming from the south side of the temple. It's coming under the threshold door from the altar inside the temple, under the threshold door, and it's heading east towards this barren land. He then says that he measures a a, a thousand cubics out and and at first the water's trickling under the door and a thousand cubics out, it's it's now ankle deep water. He measures another thousand cubics and now it's up to his knees. He measures another thousand and it's waist deep. He goes out another thousand and, and now it's a river. It's a flowing, gushing river that he cannot swim across. And the, the, the fresh living water is hitting the salt water and it's mixing it up and it's creating an abundance of life. There's all swarms of living creatures. The water's become fresh. It's so big, no one can swim across it. People are fishing on its bank. There's great trees have grown up around it. This water from the trickle of the temple has created an abundance of life. This moment in Pentecost, where the tongues of fire, the presence of God, comes on all people, is actually a multiplication of the temple. No longer 
is the old system valid where people have to go to this holy place, a pilgrimage to this holy place to get close to the inner sanctum, the presence of God. The temple's actually been turned inside out and placed in the world. The temple has been placed in the world. We are living temples. This moment of Pentecost is the presence of God coming to the lives of believers. And we now carry that presence for the sake of this world. That's the meaning behind this this moment in Pentecost. Through Pentecost, God has decentralized the temple. He's multiplied the temple and he's made the temple mobile. We are called to be living temples. Our purpose is to actually step in with the ruach of God, the presence of God, to bring life where there's death, to step into action obediently. We've come. He has come to us so we can go to the world. That's what this Ruach moment is about. And as we partner with Ruach, with the presence of God, we will see that the spring of God that resides here in our temple will trickle out through the thresholds of our life. And if we partner with it and get in step with the flow of the Spirit through our lives, we'll see a gushing river with abundant life. That's who we're called to be. I reckon there's probably two categories of people in the room today. There's a, there's a category of people that you've never responded to the Spirit. You've never said yes. You've never opened your hearts. And, and maybe you are the dry bones waiting to have the Ruach breathed over you, activated by the spring of God, the well of God in here so that it can flow through your lives. And there's going to be a moment, in a little moment, there's going to be a, some time to actually have a posture of yes and receive. But I reckon there's a, there's a second group of people that I'm calling the dry riverbed. The dry riverbed. Maybe you're, maybe you're, you're more seeing a trickle of water rather than a gushing river in your life. Maybe it's completely dry. Maybe it's stagnated. Maybe it's a stagnant water like a pond. See, ponds are funny. Ponds are caused uh, where there's no flowing water and there's stagnant water. There's not an infilling, continual infilling, otherwise they'd be pouring out. Or there's not an outflowing that allows the water to move through the pond. Ponds can look really good. Ponds can look, I don't know if you've been to some of those ornamental ponds. They look beautiful, lilies on top. They can look fantastic. I don't know if you've ever been to a pond and then mixed up the water. Often it's putrid, where there's not flowing water, where there's not life-giving water. The stagnant water is, is grotty. And God doesn't want us to live a life of ponds. He doesn't want to live us, us to live a life of dry riverbeds. He wants to, to bring a spring of living water in our lives and he wants to, us to pour that out for the sake of the world. And as we do that, as we experience the Spirit, not as this static event from our past or a moment in church, as we experience the Spirit as a flowing force for our lives, 
we actually have the pleasure of partnering with God, of stepping in with God and seeing abundant life created. And it's actually so much more simple than we think. When we get caught in the details of the hype, what it should feel like, I think we can quench what the Spirit wants to do. If you notice the similarities between the two stories of Peter declaring and Ezekiel speaking, it's, as, it's, it's simply words spoken out. God has given us the gift of communication and you can communicate life to someone or you can communicate death to someone. You can communicate death to yourself in the words that you hear in your mind or you can communicate life. You can receive life for yourself and communicate that to the world. Son of man, prophesy to these dry bones. Son of man, speak, say to the breath. Your words have power. Someone said to me once, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will maim me for the rest of my life. That's the power of words. Have you ever had those moments where you've declared a truth over someone and seen life created? That's the power that words have. So we're going to have a moment now. The band's going to come up. I'm going to invite Lydia and Britt up, and they're going to lead us. They're going to lead us in this moment of receiving words of truth, of receiving life for our lives. And I believe what God wants to do with that is grow a spring of God in our hearts so we can pour out for the sake of this world. Thanks, Ryan. There's nothing, um, <laughs> nothing magical about this. It's actually quite simple and beautiful in essence. And the fact that we've just read a story about Ezekiel and Peter, they were just men. There were women in the Bible as well, just people like you and I who trust in who Jesus is and then are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so as we take some time to do that, I just want to normalise it. This is actually a part of how we're designed and, um, yeah, we're just going to step in and take that opportunity to be filled by Holy Spirit. And we thought it would be good to just chat about sometimes what it's like to actually be moved by Holy Spirit or to hear from him. So, Liddy, can you <laughs> please share um, recently what has it been like when Holy Spirit has led you or you've heard from him? Yeah. yeah. What does that look like in your life? Yeah. Well, recently he's, he's been at work because he's always at work, but you don't always notice, right? Um, I had COVID about six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, and uh, came back to work here at Red on the Sunday after I'd recovered. Whew, and it was, I was stuffed. Um, I went home and I spent four hours in bed for the afternoon. That was fun. Uh, but in the weeks prior, I'd been, I'd been asking God, um, why am I feeling a bit dry, you know? What's, what's going on? Why am I not as excited about you, God, as I had been? And I hadn't been thinking about it, you know, at this particular time because I'm lying in bed for four hours just being like, oh, woe is me, I'm so tired. And I had this really strong sense that God was like, you need to pray for your own renewal. And I was like, what? <laughs> what does this mean? Um, yeah, and have been listening to that and mm. following that. And, you know, God might speak to you and then you kind of forget 
that he said something and you're driving along to work or to the supermarket or something and you Spotify, apparently God had something to do with Spotify because, you know, <laughs> a song will come on and it's speaking the words that he's spoken to me the week before. And I'm like, what is happening? <sighs> and then the next week I'm in service, Trudy's preaching, says something that just same words that God said that week before. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit, he's like, he's coming after me. It's <laughs> like, I'm here knocking on the door. Um, that's, that's one way that I've mm. experienced Holy Spirit, mm. that gentle, still small voice, but that recurring word that just keeps coming up that you can't ignore. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's good. And it's funny, maybe you haven't experienced the Holy Spirit before, but actually your ability to hear him is wired into you. Because as Ryan shared, when God breathed into Adam, he breathed his breath. When he breathed into Eve, he breathed his breath which is his voice, the sound of his voice. It's like you have voice recognition within you because he breathed into you. So you'll know it when he says it to you. You'll be like, oh, this feels like something I've always known. And you know what else? It always is attached to life, whether that's love or peace or direction. And he's kind and he's gentle. He may have created the entire world, but he's also called comforter. And he's that presence and he reveals who Jesus is. And so... It'd be great to just invite Holy Spirit to come. I'm just going to do this little exercise. Someone taught me to do this and it's been so helpful to help recognize Holy Spirit in the way that he moves because sometimes he gives you pictures or words. So if you would, um, to me a pleasure of closing your eyes, <laughs> I'm going to get you really simple to imagine yourself sitting in your kitchen. You go ahead right there. Just sit in the kitchen. Imagine what that looks like in your house. And that, friends, is what it's like when God shows you an image. It's as simple as that. It can be as clear and as vivid. Maybe you can see every aspect of your kitchen or maybe it's just a bit of a blur. Either way, that's how Holy Spirit can give you an image. While you're there, I'd love for you in your head to just say your address. Again, when God speaks... That's often what it sounds like. It can be that simple. Words spoken within your mind and heart. And so we wanted to start by praying for those in the room who maybe feel like those dry bones. Maybe you're here today and I'm like, man, I've been in a valley and I'm desperate for life and I don't know where else to go. I've tried everything else. And the opportunity this morning is to invite Holy Spirit to come. And we can be confident that he will come because it says in Ephesians that as followers of Jesus, if you believe and trust in who Jesus is as King and Lord, if you believe that he is the source of life and salvation, then you are marked with a seal and that is the Holy Spirit. He offers that to you. And so we're going to pray right now for Holy Spirit to fill you. And if this is your first time, I encourage if you feel like you like, you can open up your hands to receive. He's gentle. He's kind. Maybe you feel something within yourself. Could be warmth, could be that sense of peace, could be even some movement in your body, or maybe it'll just be a stillness. And maybe even, it won't happen right now, but maybe when you're on the way home or this evening. But for now, let's pray and ask Holy Spirit to fill us. So to begin, we're going to use these words that uh, have been echoed throughout church history 
I'm going to say, come Holy Spirit. And I encourage you, if you want to say that out loud along with me, you may. You can also say it in your own mind. So let's pray. Come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and dwell within us. Make your home within us. Take these dry bones and animate them. Bring them to life. Breathe your breath, your words of truth, wholeness, peace and love into our bodies. Come, Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are faithful, that you have promised us your spirit and that means you are here. I'd like now to... Move on to pray for that second group that that Ryan mentioned. These are the the dry riverbeds, I believe, uh, was the term that he used. And maybe you've known Holy Spirit for a long time. Maybe you've experienced what it is to have those rushing, flowing rivers moving through your life but maybe the ground is now parched. Maybe there's dams and debris blocking the river flowing. Mike Pilavachi in his book, uh, Everyday Supernatural, talks about there's often two hindrances, two blockages that happen for the um, spirit to be blocked in your life. One of them is unbelief that God actually wants to give you his spirit. Unbelief. God couldn't possibly want to give that to me. And another one is fear of surrendering. We become very accustomed to living in our own strength with our own will. But actually God has more for us. What would it look like to surrender that fear? And allow him to move, allow his spirit to come into every area of your life and restore and bring life. So in an act of agreeance or if you're just, yeah, (laughs) I'm going to get you guys to stand. As we pray and receive Holy Spirit, again, if you feel open to it, you can open up your hands, whatever it looks like. But we're going to pray and declare and invite Holy Spirit into those dry riverbeds, if that's you. We're going to start with confessing for the ways that we have not surrendered. Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we come before you now. We declare you as King and Lord of our lives. And we say sorry for the ways that we have tried to control them. For the ways that we've said yes to fear of holding things tightly. Of making our decisions greater than your invitations. 
Holy Spirit, may you move in us again. We confess for the ways that we have gotten in the way. We surrender now. Let's encourage you even just to take a deep breath. God, we let go. We surrender to you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are good and trustworthy, that you bring life. And Father, I thank you that you know every person in this room. You were there when they were born. You have led them here today. And your heart is to be with them. That is why you sent Jesus, to come close, to make that possible. And Jesus, that is why you send the Holy Spirit, so that we never have to be alone. That promise that you will never leave us or forsake us, that you're always with us to the end of the age. We stand now and we desire to walk with you. And we ask to help us to believe Thank you, God, that you are so faithful, that you are true to your promises. Jesus is evidence of that. And so I just declare right now, we stand here as your sons and daughters and we say we believe and we thank you that you want to give your presence. So Holy Spirit, may you fill the people in this room once again. May that river of water fill them right now from head to toe, bringing refreshment. May it come in a wave of peace, of deep, deep love. I thank you that when we're filled by you, Holy Spirit, we recognise that we are sons and daughters of the King. We cry out, Abba, Father. We belong to you. We believe in you. Holy Spirit, may you move in each person right now. May that trickle continue to build into that rushing river where life can come and dwell there. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that it's not just in this moment that you are doing this constantly. And I pray for confidence in that, for a belief in that. When we're not in this room, when we're in the car, when we're at home, we're sleeping, waking, eating, whatever we're doing, Holy Spirit, may you feel your people. And may this always be for your glory and for your name and for your kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. We love you. We trust you. And we thank you that you dare to come close, to dwell right within us, to be living temples. And so we stand before you now. And in response, let us worship. Let's praise our God. Thank you.